right, good morning, Dallas Church. Hello. Um, my name is Zach Lewis, if you missed that part, and it is great to be with you guys today. Um, as you can see, I'm with Pioneer Bible Translators, um, and I just want to say thank you guys, first of all. If you didn't know, um, your church has been supporting um, our family and the mission work God has called us to for a little uh, over a year now in different ways. And um, we're really excited to be here because we have wanted to visit you guys for a while, but we haven't been able to just because of some traveling we've been doing and kind of some other things that have been going on with our families. So we are glad to be here to see you guys in person for you to see us. Um, the rest of my family won't be here today due to some colds going on with the kiddos, but um, you'll see a video and some photos of them. So hopefully that'll do for now. Um, but we're just excited to be here to share with you. And um, we have two goals today that we're going to talk about. Um, we want to um, give you some information about the mission work that we're doing, help you kind of understand that and see that and know what's going on with that, give you an update on that. And then we're also going to focus on the mission of the church and kind of talk about how it ties into what we're doing and who you guys are and kind of get some hands around that. Um, but a couple things I want to mention before we kind of get going is that we work in a secure area, and so we will not be mentioning the names of um, the country or location that we um, are going to, or even the surrounding areas in the sermon up here, just since we're um, live um, with your church today. So if you have questions about that, I'd be happy to answer that later. Um, but just know it'll be kind of vague in some senses um, for that reason to protect our teammates on the field and the people we work with. Um, also, just one thing to be aware of, and I'll explain that obviously as we go, is that um, we're not currently on the field. We are getting ready to go. Um, and so a lot of what we're going to be talking about is some future work that we're looking forward to. Just kind of give you some context for why I'm saying certain things or not saying certain things, okay? So um, with that, um, explain a little bit about who we are and what we're doing. Um, so we're with Pioneer Bible Translators. Pioneer Bible Translators exists to disciple the Bibleists, that's our focus, by mobilizing God's people to provide enduring access to God's word. And so we're a part of that. Um, we are not translators. I tell people we're not smart enough to do that. So we just do the discipleship part of things. Um, but we focus on discipleship and church planning in short. It's kind of what our activities focus around. And um, we have spent the past couple of years getting ready for this work that we feel called to. And we take great efforts to make sure we say that it's the mission work that God has called us to and not our mission because we don't own it. We're not really responsible for um, the results of it. It's kind of all God's work and we're just um, happy to be a part of what he's called us to be a part of. Um, and so we've been working for a while to get ready for this. Um, we have two kids. I think we have a photo for you guys of our family. Uh, next slide there. There we are. So this is my family. That's my wife, Candace. Um, these are our two boys. Um, Ezra is there in the orange on the left, and that's Jude right there. They're been getting pretty cozy on the planes. Um, recently, we were on planes a lot because we visited our target field. Um, we visited three sites over in East Africa, which we, we fondly call our regional team the Nile Africa branch because of the Nile River that goes through the areas. Um, and they went with us. We were there for about six weeks, and we were over there determining our um, specific location of ministry because we kind of have went through all the processes of training, and we knew where God was leading us to regionally. We just needed to kind of narrow down where specifically. And so we went on that trip recently, and it's kind of one of the big things we want to share with you guys today to give you kind of um, images and a picture of kind of what we're talking about and who we're working with and kind of what we're doing. So it's not just me talking about things and not really knowing what that looks like. So we're going to share some photos with you guys 
um, in a second. But and again, that, this trip was in order to confirm where God was leading us to. We knew this area is where God has called us to. We just didn't know with who and with what teams and doing which work exactly. And so, um, yeah, we're gonna give you guys some insight onto that um, as we go through this. So we, we took um, a trip overseas to um, Nile, Africa. And the numbers are really fun to share because um, when you have little kids, it gets a little, little crazy. Because we spent six weeks, we traveled to three different countries. We were on over 13 different flights. Um, and we traveled every four to five days, um, sometimes less than that. And these little guys were just champions through it all. Our oldest is now 22 months old, and our youngest is 10 months old. And so um, they're younger than that, and they did really well. Um, we were a little nervous going into it because you see all these movies where the kids like throwing shoes and breaking the plane apart, and, and that didn't happen, thankfully. Although there was almost a fist fight over some other kids on a plane, so that was interesting. Um, a story for another time. Um, but they did great, they did awesome. Um, we flew on a lot of these little planes, so internationally you fly on the big planes everyone is familiar with, but um, in country we flew in a lot of these little like Cessna type planes, like six four-seater planes, really small, two one engines. Um, and thankfully, they slept on most of them, which is really nice. <laughs> they just kind of passed out, and I think the engine kind of lulled them to sleep. Um, but it was a really big trip, a long trip. We were really exhausted. We were glad to have gone and glad to be done with it. Um, but it was really good, and um, you guys were a part of help sending us on that, whether you're aware of it or not. And so thank you guys for that as well. Um, but the area that we went to, um, and it's a, um, in the midst of a refugee camp. So we work with a people group from a northern country who became refugees in a southern country due to um, war and civil conflict in their area. Um, which is sad, right, because that's war, but it's also a great opportunity because these people groups were not accessible um, to Christians beforehand just because of terrain and religious, religious issues and some other things. And so we can go to the next slide, and this is kind of what it looks like where we work. Um, really dry, for the most part, is where we work dry. Um, it is on the equator. It, it is one of the hottest places around the world being there. Um, it's one of the driest places. They have a wet season for four months out of the year and the rest is hot season. So we get spring for four months and we get summer for the rest of the year. And it's really hot. Um, we had days of over 112 degrees a lot of times and um, it's really dusty too and you just drink water all day long. Because um, if, you're, if you're not smart like us, you get dehydration sickness and then you're passed out for two days. Um, I was sharing with somebody, it was really funny because when you get dehydration sickness, like you're just, your body just, just quits. It's like, you know what, <laughs> we're done. Um, and at one point, my wife is like in one room and she's laying on the bed and she's, she's nursing too. So if you're familiar with that, it's like she's given everything. She's just like, oh, like I can't do anything. And I was in the other room, semi-awake, and I just laid on the floor, and my kid was like crawling over me. That's like all I could do. And my other kid was out playing with other kids. And so I just laid there for like five hours on the ground in the living room. It was really sad, but it's what happens. Um, but it's very dry, um, and you just gotta drink a lot of water to prevent that from happening. Um, but it's also very poor. As you can see, um, a lot of what we do where we work is probably what a lot of people think of when they think of Africa. It's kind of a little stereotypical, like thatch roofs, and mud huts and that kind of stuff, and the fences you can see are made of tarps and, and sticks. There's not a lot of resources. Um, anything like cement or metal or um, anything like that, more um, kind of durable construction material, all has to be flown out. Where we work, it's only accessible by plane. And so you have to pay for fuel for the plane, pay for the plane, pay for the materials you're buying, 
get shipped out and get to you. So it's, it's very expensive for anybody to get anything else. And so they just live off of what's available, which isn't a whole lot. Um, and culturally speaking, my wife there, she's um, on the right, she's wearing what's called a tobe. It's very beautiful, and it's very thin, and it's about the size of like a, like a queen-size bedsheet. It's, it's huge, but you just kind of like, you do like this wrapping business, and I don't know how she does it, but she made it work, and someone taught her, and I don't get how it works. But it's very beautiful, and um, we work with a Muslim people group, a Muslim background, and so they do have kind of customary for women to wear more covering than men, um, but not in quite the way that you think of when you hear that. Um, it's just kind of just, just cultural dress. They're very okay with it. It's very comfortable. And for the women, a lot of times, it keeps the heat off you, actually. Um, it's, it's a very thin material, too. It's not heavy. Um, if you're nursing like she was doing, it's still pretty hot. But um, otherwise, it's actually a pretty nice thing to wear. Um, and it's, you can't see it very well, but it's kind of like this peacocky thing. And it's, um, it's very handmade and beautiful. Um, and a lot of the women wear that. Um, a lot of the men just kind of dress pretty normal. One thing to remember, though, is boys wear shorts. Men do not wear shorts. So I always wore pants, and that was very hot. Um, that's kind of a picture of where we work. And we can go to the next slide there. Um, this little place here, this is um, a church in the area. So like I mentioned, um, the people group we work with are refugees from a northern country, but they reside um, in the southern country. And in this country, there is a national church presence. Um, the country is Muslim, but there's freedom of religion, um, and there is a church presence. And it's um, Anglican um, in its history, but when we say Anglican and there's a church there, it's more that somebody came to this area and said, hey, you're going to be Christians now. Here's some benefits. And here's the traditions and things that you do to be Christian. And someone was like, okay, like, you know, this is what we do. So we're having church. Um, and there are some good believers there. There are a few. And there are some traveling preachers who come through. Um, but for a lot of people in the church, I mean, they're, they're nominal Christians at best. They're just kind of there to be part of the community, to do what the rest of their family is doing or something like that. And so um, this is a church. Not a lot like your church, obviously. Um, it's made of just um, straw and sticks and thatch. Um, and it probably fits in, you can fit it in here in the sanctuary, but they pack it pretty tight, so it's still a good turnout sometimes. Um, if you go to the next photo there, this just shows the inside of it. Um, and again, I like this picture just because it's very colorful. You see a lot of what people are wearing and all the, the culture that they have. Um, even though they're, they're in a poor area, they have a lot of culture. You know, they're refugees who brought a lot of history with them, and so they carry that with them. Um, in their dress and kind of in how they practice things. And it's, just, it's very beautiful. I think it's a very beautiful thing to see. They're very beautiful people. And one thing where we like to do is just kind of share about how amazing the people are because they are people, right? Um, you know, we talk a lot of times about them being a Muslim people group and people have like a certain connotation a lot of times with that, but they're just people. You know, they dress certain ways. They have certain customs. They're great. I love them. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's really beautiful. Um, and so this is where I went to church. We visited several churches like this. Um, and I should mention, this, this refugee camp is made of actually three refugee camps. And there's somewhere near 200,000 people um, in this area. So there are a lot of people who are here and that we're working with. And this is just a very small portion of some of the people there. Um, but with that, I want to share with you guys a little bit of the music, give you kind of insight of what, you know, how they kind of worship a little bit. Because even though there is... Um, Maybe there is this kind of tradition that's passed down and they don't all know it. I mean, they do worship. They do with Christians who are there. Um, and they have their own kind of cultural form. And one thing that's really important that we do is we want to help them carry out the gospel in the way that's natural to their culture in terms of how it actually takes shape, like what kind of music they do and that kind of stuff. Um, so we're going to share some music with you guys. And I will mention it is in English. 
not because they all speak English, but because the, the Westerners were there and they said, you guys are coming, so we're gonna sing in English for you because you can't understand anything else. Whereas they can speak five languages. So we're kind of not very smart compared to them. Um, but we're gonna play that and you'll get a chance to see my family in there as well. There he is. <laughs> he, he tapped out the end, he all tired. Um, so, First of all, those are my kids. They're really cute. I like them a lot. Um, <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's really fun, the music there. I will say it goes for like three hours, so after a certain point, up east of the heat, you're kind of like, I'm ready to be done. But it's a lot of fun. It's very exciting. They do a lot of music. It's a really good time. Um, my kid, he loves music. He loves worship. He loves to dance, as you can see. He's got better moves than me already, um, which isn't saying a whole lot. But um, So it's just a good picture. Um, of kind of how they do things a little bit over there. And just again, to give you guys kind of some perspective on, on who are these people that we're with, like what are they doing, what does it look like to be there? And we can go to the next slide there. So this, um, again, just another photo that I like to share just because these are just kids, right? I met them outside the fence of our compound and they're herding their, their cows and took some photos, said hi to them a little bit and they pointed me and made fun of me a little bit because I can't speak any of their language and they're like, this guy is stupid. Uh, <laughs> And they're just good, and I like it because, again, they're just, they're just people. Um, these, when we say Muslim background, a lot of them are um, kind of like, it's about as Muslim as there are people who say they're Christian in America sometimes. You know, it's like what well, they do, but it's kind of more customary. It's more kind of what was passed down to them rather than like a serious, the orthodox kind of, you know, movie version of Muslims that we see. Um, and there's a lot of animistic beliefs tied into their kind of compromised Muslim beliefs. Um, but it's just beautiful because they're just kids and it's great and they're really funny and I enjoyed hanging out with them. Um, and we'll do our last photo here. This is my, my son Jude. He is the extrovert of the family. We are all introverts. And he's having a great time. And uh, it's, what's cool to know about this people group is they, again, they're just really beautiful people. And one thing is that they love kids. You know, you go some places in the world where you hear about it going to like Tijuana, Mexico, or they're kidnapping people off the streets and you're like, hang on to your kids, like no one's gonna get them. When we went here, we just kinda like gave away our kids, people. Because they love kids and they really value children. Harming kids is like a really serious thing. You don't do that in this culture. And so um, whenever, wherever we went, people wanted to hold their kids. When they saw mom, they were like, mom takes care of the kids all the time. Like why is she carrying the kids in public? This is ridiculous. Like we'll take the kids for you. And like you can just like, you know, be free for a little bit. And so people took our kids all the time and we just, you know, hope they came back after a while. And, we made sure we could see them all the time, so it wasn't um, too much concern, but um, it's just a great picture of, um, I think, what it means to be um, in relationship with people, to be sharing the gospel, which is just living with people. And there's a lot of what we do is just live with people. And so it's just a really great photo that I enjoy. Um, so that's all the photos I have for you in regards to that. And just again, I want to give you guys kind of 
um, insight, kind of an image to who are these people that we're talking about, where do we work, and what does that look like? Um, and um, this trip, our goal was confirmed, like I mentioned, where we were going to work. And that was successful. We, we went, we came back um, around April 12th, and um, we confirmed a few weeks after that kind of where God was leading us to, which, is, which was one of the locations there, which was the one that I just showed you. All the photos that you've seen pretty much are from that area. Um, so it was a successful trip. It was time well spent. It was money well invested. And we did what we set out to do, which is good. And so um, with that, um, that's kind of, just, again, just kind of give you guys an update of what we've been doing. Um, and an important question is, well, what will we be doing when we go over there? Um, so right now we are in the U.S., obviously I'm right here, and our goal is to be um, in-country at the end of the year, um, assuming our support raising goes well. That's all we have left to do is support raising, um, so that's our goal is to be there at the end of the year. Um, but what we're hoping to do when we go over there, like I mentioned, is the discipleship and church planning end of things. We have some friends who are translators who've been there for several years, and they have been working on translating um, parts of the Bible, parts of the New Testament, parts of the Old Testament. Um, and they have a lot of material translated. It's not published, it's not printed, but they've translated it. Like they, can, they know how to speak the story in the native language. And as we visited sites, um, all of them, including the site, said, we have it, we have a lot of material, but we, we just can't go out and do it. You know, we can't translate and do discipleship. Like we can't really do both well and make good progress on this. So like, we need someone to come and do this, which was just good for us to know that there is a place for what we're doing there. And so what we're going to be doing is going ahead of our translation teams, being in the community, um, continuing to build a relationship with them, and telling stories from the Bible with them, sharing that with them. Um, if you didn't know, Muslims accept the first five books of the Old Testament and the first four books of the New Testament. They, they believe they're corrupted, but they accept them. They're scripture um, in, their, in their, uh, their book of scriptures. And so it's kind of a good basis for us to be like, hey, like we, have, we have God's word, we have the story of Joseph, we have the story of, of Abraham, who they know. And that's interesting to them because um, for Muslims, none of them can read Arabic, and the Quran's only in Arabic, so none of them actually know how to read and find the stories that they get told sometimes. And so when we say, hey, I have like, stories from God's word I want to share with you, it's, it's a cool opportunity for them because they don't always get the opportunity and the access to that. And so we're going to help build excitement around translation that, hey, God's word is coming to your language. Like, he cares enough to bring his word to your language, even though maybe it's small or it's not well known, like he wants to come and tell you what he wants for you. Um, and we're going to do those stories with them and, and, and begin doing discipleship, to share Christ with them, to have those conversations, to begin the talks of what does this mean to you and how does that impact what you're doing now and, and maybe your community. Um, and we'll do church planning with that because if you make disciples, you're going to make, plant churches, hopefully. Um, and we also um, coined a term called church development is kind of something that we've kind of coined for ourselves, which is, like I mentioned, there are some churches there, some national churches, um, but a lot of them are just kind of carrying on um, traditions that were just given to them, and so there's a lot of progressive Christianity that kind of seeps into there of, you know, God's just going to make you rich and that kind of stuff and um, things like that, and so what we want to do is come into churches and come alongside them and help disciple them and further, um, in their walk, to really understand scripture, to equip them with that, to know how to be church leaders well, and how to steward the church as leaders, to help them know how to carry the gospel forward as a body, and bring them to health um, in scripture, in their theology, and kind of minister to them in that way and be a resource for them. And so our goal is to um, equip these nationals as we disciple them, as we plant churches, um, 
basically so that they can go and do more work. Our goal is to work ourselves out of a job because we believe that the same Holy Spirit that's in you and I can work through them. You know, we're not anything unique or special because we come from the West or something like that. Like, they can do things just as powerfully with God's Spirit as we can. And our whole goal is just to help them get going and to be a resource for them once we get going and to see a movement spread among their people and among the region. So that's what we're doing, kind of in a capsule. There's a lot that goes into that. Um, a lot of what that will actually look like will take shape once we're there because a big part of our job is spending time with them and identifying what actually works in sharing the gospel. Is it just giving out scripture or is it something different or is it just telling stories or something different? Um, so we're looking forward to that and that's kind of what we're doing. Um, but for now, we're just raising funds in order to go and do that. Um, and so, no surprise, the missionary mentions money. And so we are raising funds. Um, if you guys didn't know that, and if you want to contribute towards that, um, we'd welcome that and encourage that. Um, and we can share about you all the nitty-gritty dollar signs later. Um, but that is available to you. Um, there will be a, a link for you guys to do that. Um, but also, as we're here, we'd like to ask for you guys' prayers. Um, not just towards that, although that is important, um, but we feel it's really important that as a family, we, um, we sense that you know, Satan loves to attack families and tear them apart and tear ministries apart that way. And since we are traveling so much and we have little kids who are experiencing a lot and big emotions, we want to pray, ask for prayer over them and for our family to keep us safe and united and whole and healthy, um, especially as we take care of our kids on the field and get that going. Um, so that'd be our, our ask there. Um, so all that being said, that's a lot of, that's a lot of background, that's a lot of input for you guys of, of who we are and what we're doing. Um, and maybe that's boring for you, so I don't know, maybe we should shift it up a little bit. Um, I was asked to preach a little bit, so we'll make sure we get some of that in there. Um, and so what we want to talk about, like I mentioned, is, is mission. You know, we're missionaries, we do mission work. Um, and I think that term mission um, is important to focus on because research shows factually that a lot of Christians in America don't know what the mission of the church is anymore. When you ask them, you get all kinds of different answers, and no one's really united on what that means. So I have a question for you, and if you know it, don't answer it. It's rhetorical, because if you answer it, I'm like, oh, the rest of my sermon's done, pretty much. So you know, don't answer the question. Um, is what is the mission of the church? You know, I have a friend who was a part of a kind of a think tank group of all these smart guys who've got like four degrees, and they teach stuff, and I'm not smart enough to talk to them yet. Um, and someone asked that question, like, what is the mission of the church? And all these smart guys who've gone to school and pastor churches gave out all kinds of different answers. Like, hey, we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Good, right? We can agree on that. That's a good thing. Um, we are supposed to combat, you know, the work of the devil and to combat lies in the world. Okay, also true. Um, we're supposed to, you know, be charitable to you know, spread the gospel, we're supposed to do all these things, and is it actually is one of those things where you just look at it, and it's a little convoluted, with all these answers from all these smart people that should know, like, the answer. But really, the answer is simple, and so we don't have a lot of time that we're going to spend the rest of this, my message today, and part of that's because the answer is so simple. We don't need to spend a half an hour all the time to explain just what it is, and with that, I want to use a verse to kind of illustrate that. You've never heard of this verse before, I'm sure. Um, it's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Shocker. The missionary mentions the mission verse. Um, but it's, it's a simple verse, and most things in life are simple, right, when we really think about it. And the mission of the church is this, the, the commands from the commander-in-chief of what to do. You know, every, every business, every church nowadays has like a mission and a vision statement because that's like required now in order to be a group is you have to have a mission and a vision. And beneath it all, like this is the mission of the church. Beneath what Dallas has or any other church has, this is the mission and the vision of the church is to go and make disciples of all nations. Boom. Done. Sermon complete. Have a good day. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really simple. That's, that's all Jesus really required of us to do. And I mean, there's a lot beneath that, right? I mean, we're supposed to love people and forgive, and that's, that's, that's hard to. But really, capsulize it, that's all Jesus told the, his disciples to do when it's time for him to go, was to go and teach others what I have taught you. Be my disciples and make disciples of them as well. So that's the mission. You know, when we're missionaries, that's what we do. And that call is for all of us, and it's really important. Um, I, I find it kind of, I guess, discouraging in a way that people still put missionaries on a pedestal a little bit. Because, um, like, you know, like, thank you. you know, it's like nice when people are like, oh, you're so great going doing this. You're so important. Like, bless you. And I'm like, oh, thanks. But also, like, like why, why is that so impressive when all disciples were called to do that? Right? I mean, yes, I flew on a plane. Saw some cool stuff. I ate some weird food, some cool food. But really, like, it's what we're all supposed to do as Christians. That was a call to all of us. And so I'm, I'm not really any more special than anybody else. We, we have a sticker out there um, of a paper airplane. My wife thought of that when we first started doing our newsletters. And we liked it because paper airplanes are kind of these flimsy, dinky little things you made in middle school. Um, they don't go very far. Like, I can't make good ones. I never got a hold of that skill. Um, but they're just really, they're nothing. But with God, I mean, he's got his God power, and you can grab a paper airplane, zip it across the world if you want to. And so it just goes to show that we're just kind of these really um, weak things that God can do really amazing things with because he's God. Um, and so this is a call for, for all of us to go and make disciples. And so when we talk about discipleship, all we're really doing is what was asked of us, right? All I'm doing is listening and being like a child and just doing what I was told to do and going and doing that. And again, there's a lot in that, you know, that life is, is messy, but at the end of the day, that's all really Jesus asked of us to do, was to do what he taught us to do and teach others. Um, and so that kind of leads to church planning. Church planning is this term we've come up with in the modern century of the act of, of bringing churches somewhere, starting a new church. You guys were a church plant at one point. You, I mean, you can call yourself a church plant now. I'm not sure how all that part works, but you were a church plant. Um, maybe you'll always be a church plant, and you're going to plant more churches, hopefully. But it's a modern concept. That's, it's not a biblical concept in, in term. You can't read the Bible and find Paul talking about church planning and saying, all right, guys, time to go church plant. Like, where's our spreadsheet of the next locations we've got to go to? When you go through the Bible, like, you, you, can, see, you can see church planning happen in books like Titus and Timothy in the book of Acts, and you, you see evidence of like that, that action happening. But really, all they're doing is making disciples, right? Because as hopefully you, you've heard from Ben, like church, the church is not a building. It's not a plant. It's not, you know, it's not like a tree church planting. Um, church planting is, is disciples. It's the body of Christ being together 
And we are over all the church, but we, we gather in small pockets that we call the church too, the big C and like little C church. Um, but all it is is disciples being disciples together, gathering together, worshiping God, loving each other, serving the needy, sharing the gospel, doing the things Christ already taught us to do in scripture and just continue that with others. Um, and we see that in Acts. We see in Acts 14, um, it shows um, Paul and some of his cohorts going to Lyconium and it, it just really simply talks about how they went there, they made disciples, they gathered and worshiped, they put in charge some people who were trustworthy as elders and then they left and that was it. They planted a church that's right there in scripture. But all they did is make disciples. That's really all it was. And it's just really important to boil down to because we can kind of get lost in all these new terms and as Christians we're trying to combat the different like movements in our country and that kind of stuff. But really what it boils down to is, is Christ saying, hey, here's the truth. Go and share it. It'll do its work as long as you're being obedient to it. And that's how we be healthy disciples, by being obedient and then teaching others to do the same, right? That's kind of all that goes into that. And so what we want to see as we go overseas is disciples who make disciples, who plant churches, who plant churches. That's the end game. That's the whole long run. That's the whole grand vision of what we all should be doing is to make disciples who make disciples who plant churches who plant churches. Then rinse and repeat and it happens over and over and over again. And that's what we want to see in this people group here is to make disciples who are equipped to go and make disciples who will plant churches who will plant churches and do that. And it gets a little repetitive. Maybe you should make a song out of that or something. I don't know. Um, but that's all there is to it and we're all called to that. And I think what's really important why we mentioned that today is because we're all called to it. I mean, it's simple as that. I can say that all day long, I guess. One thing I, I see a lot, and why it's, again, kind of discouraging me sometimes when I hear people say, it's so great that you're, gonna, that you're a missionary, that you're going overseas, like, you know, bless you. Like, you're, like they, there's this, like, respect for missionaries. And what I find a little sad about that is sometimes when I hear that from somebody, it's a way of them saying, maybe not explicitly, that, like, I couldn't do that. Like, oh, I couldn't do what you're doing. And some people say that. And it's sad to me because, like, why not? Like, why can't you make disciples? Why can't you impact, you know, the other side of the world through sending or through, you know, there's all kinds of forms of ministries now that you can take part in. And what I want to encourage you with as the body is, I'm not sure what stage of life you find yourself in or what abilities you find yourself capable of doing. But no matter what you have, God wants to use that because he still called you to make disciples. I mentioned this earlier, and um, I still don't know if this is, like, theologically correct, but I think it sounds right is that I don't think everyone will make a disciple in their lifetime. Like, I don't know if, you know, myself, pretend, is going to make, like, five disciples, and I'm like, yes, make disciples. But I believe that everyone will make efforts toward making disciples that will impact someone towards becoming a disciple, even if we don't see it ourselves. But what's important is that we are obedient in taking every opportunity to do so, right? And the rest is up to God. I mean, it's his spirit, it's his work. He claims that work is his own, and he releases us from the responsibility of the end results, which is fantastic in my mind. I love that. Um, but I just want to encourage you in that. So whatever stage you find yourself in, just know that you still have the ability to make disciples, whether through your family, through your grandkids, through your work, through your coffee barista, through just the person you encounter every day on your walks in the park. There's always opportunity for us to be obedient continually. And since you're here, I am encouraged that hopefully you believe that, and you're trying to do that. And I just want to say, if you, if you are here and you don't feel like you can do that or don't feel like, you know, you understand why God wants this and don't feel like you've been invited to it before, I would like you to speak with one of your staff here 
and that you are invited to be a part of this, to be a flimsy paper airplane that God can send somewhere and make an impact. Um, so with that, um, that's all I got for today. And so I want to pray for you guys. I just want to pray a blessing over your church um, as a thank you for being here. Um, and I just hope that this can encourage you guys and just remind you of the mission of the church and the fact that you can all be a part of that even whatever stage you're at, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're, you know, 95 and trying to figure out next steps. So let me just pray for you, and then we'll be um, head on some more worship. It'll be great. Heavenly Father God, I just want to um, pray a blessing over this church body, God, um, as they are faithful to, to be here, to um, love together, to serve together, um, to open the doors to their community, to be a part of um, all kinds of things. Uh, God, you just bless them in their faithfulness and their willingness to, to serve and to be obedient, um, to create opportunity for um, your good news, which is so good. It is so good that we get to share um, the gospel with others and make that known. Um, and I just pray that you bless them as they, as they do that. Bless them in an opportunity to do so and bless them in the satisfaction and joy and peace that comes with um, being obedient and faithful to your word. Um, so God, we just thank you. We thank you for Jesus and all that he's done. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.